Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're revealing how we invest our money. Not only are we talking about, Joel, how you and I, how we invest our money, we're going to talk about how it is that you, our listener, how you should probably be investing, what it is that your money should be in. It's not Beanie Babies. <laughs> Instead, it's a Big Mac GIF. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea for most people to, anything like virtual hamburger I'm in, like I'll invest my money there, so... Yes, and of course, we are completely joking. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to mostly be talking about just asset allocation uh, and yeah, what specifically your money should be in, uh, and we're going to get to that during this episode, buddy. Yeah, a lot of things to consider when you're thinking about how you invest your money, and I know for a lot of people, there's a mental hurdle that needs to be overcome when you're thinking about you know what funds you put your money in. We get a lot of questions about that from people, Matt, and so yeah, today on the show, we're going to do our best to kind of give a holistic view of what it looks like to be well diversified. And at the same time, we're going to give specifics on how we're invested. So hopefully that can be helpful too. Heck yes. But before we get to that, Matt, I wanted to let you know that, so I was on a a neighborhood phone call the other night, a Zoom call, and you know, there's all sorts of stuff going down in the neighborhood. People wanting to, was it a a, a neighborhood planning unit meeting? Yes, it was. (laughs) It was, it was. And, um, and those are a lot of, uh, they're, they're interesting at times, but uh, my wife and I are planning on, we're adding a bathroom on the back of our house. That's right. Because we have, essentially we, we bought a duplex. We rented out the back of it for four over four years but now we have more kids and we're kind of taking over the whole space and we need an additional bathroom so this bathroom screen porch combo is going in soon and we had to get some plans approved but uh less about that i wanted to talk actually about something 
else uh, that I learned in the NPU meeting, and this was that apparently if you shop at Kroger, they have this thing called Kroger Community Rewards. And I had no idea that this existed. You know, you and I were kind of Costco Aldi people. I go to Kroger sometimes, though, uh, because it's convenient. Very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to go to Kroger, but yeah. I will. Yeah. But if and when you do go to Kroger, if you sign up for their Kroger Community Rewards, you can actually uh, earn money for local nonprofits or national nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And so that was cool. I didn't know that you know, anytime I spend money at Kroger, my local neighborhood organization can actually reap some of the benefits. So, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Specifically, somebody was presenting that because they're like, "Hey, make sure that you put the East Atlanta Foundation uh, as your nonprofit. That's us. Yeah. We, want, <laughs> we want to make sure that we're getting the funding from that." Right. Uh, which yeah, makes a lot of sense. I too had never heard of this. You mentioned it to me. I was like, "Wait, what? Never heard of this." And that's probably what it's going to take to get me to go to Kroger and spend my money, <laughs> uh, not at Aldi because Aldi doesn't have anything like that. Do you know if actually uh, if you can apply dollars uh, from your gas? Because we often get gas there at Kroger. Oh, that's a good question. I'm Uh, guessing anytime you use your Kroger rewards card or whatever that that they're like, you know, racking up your purchases and they're donating some of that money to community organizations. If you sign up, that's a trick though. Like it doesn't cost you anything except for like a minute of your time. And then anytime you shop there in the future, your organization that that you've chosen is going to, you know, get some dollars, which is cool. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It was something, again, I had no idea about, but super cool. And I'm glad that anytime I do spend money there now, it's going to help out the neighborhood. Yeah, that's right, man. But let's go ahead now introduce the beer that you and I are going to enjoy on this episode. Like like all episodes, uh, we always enjoy a craft beer because it's something that you and I we enjoy now. We uh, we want to make sure that we are living life, you know, so to speak, in the here and now, while at the same time saving for our futures as well. We're not like total money nerds where we're only depriving ourselves. <laughs> well, we're total money nerds, but we're not like well, we, yeah, we don't deprive ourselves yeah. <laughs> to the extreme. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think yeah, for us enjoying life is enjoying craft beer uh, together. Yeah, and that's a part of how this show came about, right? You and I, we enjoy sharing beers together, talking about money, and now we just do the same thing, but we record it. (laughs) (laughs) But this episode, you and I are enjoying uh, Haptic, which is an American IPA, and this is from our friends over at Halfway Crooks, one of our favorite local breweries here in Atlanta, and we will share our thoughts on this beer at the end of the episode. That's right, we will. But all right, Matt, on to the subject at hand today on the show, we are going to reveal how we invest our money, (laughs) and uh, it's going to get... There's going to be such a letdown, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> the way they invest is really boring. It's but like, oh, I thought they were going to be all in on gold, you know, like, <laughs> like gold bullion. Yeah, well, sorry if we let you down on that, but uh, that's that's not going to be the case, but we will get to that later on in the episode. But we are also going to talk about asset allocation and diversification. And Matt, there's this this saying that all of us have heard, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I've heard it. Pretty sure my parents told me that at one point <laughs> growing up, maybe when I was like picking a job and I was like, uh, no, pressure washing, I, it's, I'm going to be good at this. And, and they were like, no, you should diversify. No, son. <laughs> your skills. I, I actually remember remember Kate saying that to me when we actually had chickens. She's like, <laughs> she, she was like, what's the, like, why do they say that? Make sure you, you just do the right thing when you go get it. Should I get a few baskets when you, when you go to get those eggs. eggs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, well, I'm, I'll be careful. Yeah. Well, I didn't know where it came from. So I looked it up and it, t- it turns out it comes from the 17th century and it became a thing uh, when you were grabbing eggs from your hens, because if you had all of your eggs in one basket and you dropped it, you got to bunch of busted up eggs. Makes sense. No breakfast the next day, sadly. Or probably for like a few days, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. No breakfast for the village. (laughs) Right. But uh, but if you were smart and maybe used a few different baskets instead of overcrowding the one, you could drop one and still have eggs for breakfast that week. There you go. Maybe just one fewer, right? (laughs) Each day. And I think we can all get overwhelmed in an attempt to diversify our investments and come up with the perfect asset allocation. There's so many articles and so much out there on the internet about creating the perfect asset allocation. And it can be overwhelming. Uh, to people, just everyday people who have jobs and families to figure this stuff out. And so, yeah, on this episode, we wanted to spend some time thinking about asset allocation um, and simplicity at the same time and the advantages to having a more simple asset allocation. Less can truly be more in so many cases. And so we're going to talk about that uh, and then describe exactly how you and I invest later on. That's right. And, you know, we hear from listeners as well who frequently just don't know what to invest in. You know, they, like they hear us talk about like IRA and 401ks, they learn how to open one of those up. It's pretty easy. Uh, but then they get overwhelmed about where to actually invest you know, their money within those vehicles. Uh, and, so, and then other listeners do have expressed maybe being nervous that they aren't diversified enough 
in their holdings. So we want to kind of do a deep dive on asset allocation today, uh, and hopefully too to to put your mind at ease uh, to to help you to think through like what a sound diversification strategy looks like. Um, And we're we're primarily going to focus on securities like stocks and bonds, uh, not not the the countless other ways that present themselves as quote unquote investments. You know, we want to avoid the Beanie Babies. We want (laughs) to avoid the uh, Burger King pins. as, a, as kind of a money nerd, that, that is one of the things that annoys me at t- from time to time, and I've tried to let it annoy me less over the years. And when someone's like, you know, you should buy that. That's a good investment. And usually, what they're referring to is some consumable item <laughs> that yeah. won't be around much longer. And that, that, like, hey, that's a good, that's a good investment if you get that television. And I'm like, no, no, buying a television, not an investment. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to be talking about it. Will only depreciate in value. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's 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 fine to purchase that TV, right? If if that's you know if you can afford it and that's what you want for your family, but it's not an investment. So that's, calling it that just you know, it's one of my pet peeves. That's true. That's true. And at one point, I feel like I even was like I ventured to even call a bike an investment uh, because I like bikes so much. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, dude, we can't call bikes an investment. It doesn't make you money, but you know, it's a tool that allows you to live a potentially more frugal and fulfilling lifestyle. That's true. But does it go up in value? Nope. No, not usually. Not likely. Maybe yeah. if you own it for like 50 years and it becomes vintage, <laughs> potentially then. Maybe then. Yeah, but no wonder people doubt themselves, right, Matt? When when it comes to kind of those decisions about where they put their money when they're investing it, I feel like there's a constant push for new ways to invest, new sectors that are opening up that people are told that they should be putting their money into. Do I need to invest in crowdfunding real estate sites, gold, crypto, and NFTs? Like, that's a lot of different places to put or, your money. Or nifties. <laughs> nifties. That's what the kids are calling it these days. Well, they're cooler than I am. <laughs> uh, but that can feel overwhelming to people, right? Like, And I think the pitch is always that investing in each of these areas adds diversification. Right. And so diversification is always good. And so that's we got to own some of those things. But the truth is, I think you, you can go bonkers trying to be perfectly diversified, especially in an investing climate like we're dealing with now, one of like seemingly endless possibilities, which I think will drive you insane because there's a new investment class every week, it feels like. And so, yeah, being diversified in a simple way is what you and I are after. One, one that like any of us can actually replicate. That's that's true. Uh, and you know the thing is, diversification wouldn't even be necessary if we knew the future, right? <laughs> like if we only knew the particular companies, the the stocks and the sectors uh, that will have success in the coming months and, and years. Diversification would become a pretty stupid idea, right? And when you look at what the the market has done over the past ten years, certain sectors like tech have outperformed others. And you know, as Tesla became a stock that people obsessed over, it shot through the roof. Risky bets like Bitcoin have have paid off handsomely too. It's easy to get caught up in the exuberance and, and just say, "Screw it!" You know, I'm going I'm going to pick winners, as opposed to diversifying your holdings. But you don't have to look too far back in history to see the disastrous effects. In the mid to late 90s, the Nasdaq was crushing it as you know tech stocks were red hot, but the early 2000s saw similarly dramatic losses. And so a lack of diversification might work out in the short term, but there's a reason that it's a crucial pillar of smart investors. Truth. Yeah. And so let's talk about maybe the traditional view of what makes up or made up a balanced and diversified portfolio. The 60-40 portfolio has kind of been the, the simple standard that a lot of fund managers and just a lot of individuals have held to. And that's basically having 60% of your money invested in stocks and the other 40% invested in bonds. And there's nothing wrong with that approach, right? In fact, I I think it's still a great choice for a lot of investors, especially folks who are nearing retirement age, right? You certainly don't want to be all in on stocks when you're in your 70s, right? But, But for many folks in the wealth building phase of life, like us, Matt, and like a lot of our listeners, it's not a great choice. And so we would say that you need even more stock exposure. And actually, there have been a lot of stories too written about how maybe a 60-40, even for folks approaching retirement age, is a little too conservative in, in today's environment. Yeah, that's true. And the, and the reason for this is due to bonds, you know, lackluster performance, right? Since 1926, large stocks have returned an average of 10% per year, whereas bonds have returned between 5 and 6% over that same period. And so, you know, investing in stocks is riskier but they provide better rewards. Uh, bonds, on the other hand, smooth out the ride. And so if you are risk averse, you know, holding bonds can, can kind of help you keep investing well, even when volatility hits, because the, uh, the long term doesn't really matter if you can't handle uh, the fluctuations that you might experience in the short term. Yeah, Matt, that makes me think of like, uh, you know, someone going to college and it's like, you know what? You can graduate a whole lot quicker if you take a 25 hour course load every semester. 
that's true, but that's going to burn you out. <laughs> like you're going to drop out. You're not going to get the degree. And so, you know, it's better just to like stay the course with that like 15, 16, 17 hour work, uh, workload. There you go. Instead, right? And we're going to talk more about risk and stocks in just a little bit. But but that higher rate of return with stocks is why most young listeners will likely need to be primarily invested in stocks and not in bonds. And that being said, there are a number of things to keep in mind when it comes to asset allocation. We're going to get to some of those things right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back. And, you know, before the break, we were talking about uh, one of the differences between stocks and bonds. Uh, And so let's continue that conversation because, you know, it is not only about higher performance that you're likely to, you know, going to see with stocks that you need to consider. That's not the only thing that you need to think through. There are other things that you might want to keep in mind. There are a, a couple of questions that you need to ask yourself when determining 
how you should be investing. The answers to, to these questions can help guide your diversification strategy, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Let's do it. All right, first question up that you need to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out what your diversification strategy should look like is what's your appetite for risk? And so like depending on your age, your income, et cetera, you might have a different risk appetite even than your peers or than your best friend, right? right like yeah. Matt is, you know, super into Bitcoin and I'm not. And and so like, you know, we're just different in that way, right? <laughs> well, we'll actually we'll talk about Bitcoin a little bit later on. I'm not super into it. <laughs> uh, but I mean it does kind of come down to like your personality and kind of what you've lived through. Like as an entrepreneur, I feel like I'm I'm realizing that I am way more risk uh positive. <laughs> like I'm okay to expose myself to risk. Uh, and I feel like that, that, you know, having not had a steady paycheck for the past 13 years, having not had benefits, health insurance, uh, a 401k, like all these things, I'm like, oh, like a lot of people really want those things. It's not something I've ever had. <laughs> so because of that, I'm realizing that when it comes to you know, making certain investments, uh, I am okay, I guess, being more uh, exposed to that risk. Yeah, and part of the reason they want it is because it feels steadier and less risky, right? Sure. It's it's not necessarily because they want to work for someone else. It's because the thought of working for themselves is a little too scary. And and I understand that, right? So yeah, so much of it does come to personality and right, and right. you know what what's happened in your life. Also too, like living through real life scenarios really helps the most in folks determining what sort of risk they are willing to endure, right? Uh, and, and we had a perfect ability to see kind of how we react. This past March, it was obviously a, a short-lived <laughs> drop, but how did you react, right? Uh, did, did you make changes to your investments or did you come close to it? Were you like about to pull the trigger and then <laughs> the market started to rebound? Well, what's, what's important too is like think about like maybe the kinds of changes that you're going to make, right? right? Because like if you were, if, you know, if, if when the market was tanking, you were thinking about pulling money out, well, that's a problem, right? And like going that, into cash, yeah, yeah. That, that tells me you are risk averse. Like that is something you're trying to avoid. You're basically trying to save yourself even more pain, right? Uh, versus if the changes you're looking to make were if you're willing to jump into the market at that point, well, it's like, well, you knew that there's a chance it could keep tanking. Like you were jumping into a very volatile market, uh, and things may not, may or may not pan out. Who knows? Right. But like that tells me that you probably are, you know, more comfortable with you know exposing yourself to that risk. And so it, it, it's not about the changes, but actually what types of changes that you're looking to make as well. Yeah. And I think too, if you can't handle a 30% decline in your portfolio balance, then you should reconsider your portfolio allocation, right? Uh, your goals and life situation might necessitate that right. <laughs> for you. And, and, and that's because uh, something akin to a 10, 20, or 30% drop, you're going to see a whole lot more of those over your investing lifetime, especially if you're a young investor and all you've known is you know mostly the bull market we've had for the last 11 years or whatever. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, was a, that was a nice a, a scenario to experience, at least for a second, to see how you hold up to volatility. Um, but yeah, how were you reacting emotionally? And if it didn't really phase you, then your risk appetite is strong and you can afford to let your asset allocation reflect that. Yeah. And hopefully we won't see drawdowns of 30%. Uh, <laughs> you know, in the future moving forward. But like, gosh, man, like with the housing crisis back in, you know, 07, 08, the pandemic, all these have happened like pretty close together. And so uh, maybe this is something that we're going to see more often as, you know, our world becomes more connected. Who knows? Like, I guess that's all I'm saying. We, we, like, we don't know, but we want you to be prepared for the idea that like 10% drawdowns or like even 20%, maybe even 30% like that. It might be more common. It might happen a little more frequently. And, you know, like you, you kind of touched on this, Joel, but regardless of whether or not you can handle the risk, your goals and your life situation might call for you to make some changes to how you invest. Uh, so, for example, if you're nearing retirement, even though you, you, you might be all about risk, you probably need to dial it back some on the stocks so that you don't lose uh, meaningful chunks of the wealth uh, that you've built up because of that volatility as you uh, get closer to retirement. But on the other hand, say you're in your 20s, right? Maybe you're just starting to invest in your 401k. Maybe you finally set up a Roth. It's important to note that you likely have many decades of growth ahead of you. Uh, there's plenty of time to kind of smooth out you know, a bumpy stock market. And, and in that case, you could skip bonds altogether. Uh, and even if you might be a, a bit risk averse, this would be an instance where you need to force yourself into more risk exposure. This is uh, an instance where you, you need to push yourself to get more into stocks uh, and kind of shy away from those bonds. Yeah, you might be like, I was born this way. I'm like not a risky person. But at the same time, like to be able to retire. Someday, yeah, well, you're gonna be broke. You, otherwise, yeah, you, you have to take some <laughs> risks. And like we've talked about actually before on the show, one of the biggest risks is inflation eating away your money. Yeah. And so to not take any risk means you're taking the ultimate risk, which is the known risk of inflation, just like wiping you out and really really, really killing your ability to save for the future. That's right. Um, and it's also, too, it's important to ask yourself what your goals are. If you're looking to beat the market, well, you're going to need to be even more aggressive when determining which funds you invest in. And it's not that 
some people haven't been able to beat the market over an extended period of time. I mean, look at people like Warren Buffett or, or Peter Lynch, who, uh, you know, in the 80s for Fidelity. It's just that most people can't. And it's especially difficult when you have a day job and a family and uh, responsibilities, right? When it's not your full-time job. So we just don't think it's a, a generally a great goal for most armchair investors who have generally busy lives. Yeah. But if that is your goal, uh, your diversification strategy is going to have to look different than what Matt and I are outlining here because that's not what we're trying to do. That's right. And so no, you know, no matter what your goals are or you know what your appetite for risk is, having a plan really comes in clutch here. It helps to kind of take that emotion out of the equation, uh, and it can also curb you know the the FOMO, you know the fear of missing out that we talked about earlier on in the year. Uh, you know, as meme stocks were fluctuating like like crazy, <laughs> uh, and so creating a written investment plan of your very own will be invaluable as you are confronted with new investment opportunities and as you are tempted by you know the different headlines that you see it's not that like you can't or or that you won't ever revise your plan over time but this personalized investment plan it acts as sort of like headlights you know for the road ahead helping you to uh, to kind of maintain your course it, it it's it's almost like a budget it makes me think of a budget right like with you with a budget you are proactively deciding where it is that you're going to spend your money in the same way a written investment plan you are just basically deciding how and when it is that you're going to invest your money, uh, it's essentially kind of you like getting ahead of your emotions a little bit. It's, it's you saying that like, I steer this ship. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to let the headlines, I'm not going to let my emotions be the thing that directs where my money goes and how it is that I'm going to invest. All right. It makes me think, so, you know, the headlights on my car, they're kind of foggy. <laughs> so Are they? I need to get one of those like headlight repair kits or I guess I think you can actually they're, they're DIY good for like a, it, right? Yeah, yeah. They're good for like a year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe two years. I did it a couple of times uh, with our old Volkswagen, but uh, man, it d definitely feels good for like a few months <laughs> after that. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's like I've got a brand new car. Yeah. Your, your investment plan can last longer than that, but it just, I don't know, just maybe brought that up in my mind when you gave that analogy. But uh, I think too, yeah, that investment plan can be as simple as writing out something like this. Okay, since I'm 25 with a super long time horizon before I need this money, I'm going to be 100% invested in stocks. Every month, sounds good. I'm going to set aside $500 so that when the the new year comes around, I can make a max contribution to my Roth IRA. Lump sum investing, all about it. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's going to be in low cost index funds. It can be that basic. Like it doesn't have to even go beyond that. It doesn't need to be, you know, multi pages. And actually, if it's multi page, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think having like a little summary, like a little snapshot of something that you can refer back to when you are kind of like, like, what are we doing? Like, should we be maybe taking advantage of some of these other things that we're seeing? Like, it's like so, you know, Joe blow down the street he invested in you know tesla last year and you know i don't even know what it increased we've talked about it before but like it blew up last year yeah uh, but you never know what a single stock is going to do and now they bought a private island and i'm like over here just like still <laughs> schlepping away at my job it's true but you know even still if you're looking for maybe a touch more guidance you know in the example you gave like we're talking about going 100 in in stocks uh, but another consideration is you can maybe hit the diversification easy button and in that case target date retirement funds are your best bets. And I think they make sense for a whole lot of people, especially folks who want to think about asset allocation uh, as little as possible, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I feel like they're very similar uh, as like a crock pot. You know, you just set it, you forget it, you don't have to revisit the thing. No need to, to use a whole lot of brain power here. That's pretty nice. Except that like uh, a crock pot... That's really nice, especially when you have as little as I have to spare. So. That's true. But like, here's the thing, like a crock pot doesn't like revisit what you got in the pot and look at it and it's just like, oh, you need to add some more seasoning here. <laughs> like that's what target date funds do. Like they actively look at what's going on and automatically rebalance. And that's part of what makes target date funds so amazing it's even better than a crock pot really you know it's like having a personal chef it's like a like a personal robot chef mixed together with a crock pot there you go there you go <laughs> well and and uh, the nice thing too about target date funds is that they're almost all super low cost so you don't oh, have yeah. to worry about like oftentimes if you're picking other individual funds that aren't index funds the fees, the expense ratios on those funds can really add up. But target date funds are, you know, because there's so much money invested in those funds and they are kind of set it and forget it, they're a lot cheaper and, and you know, they're not going to be a drag on your earnings, which is nice. But uh, target date funds are potentially not risky enough for younger investors. And it's important to mention that too. That's why Matt and I were fans of people in the wealth building phase of their life being 100% invested in stocks. If you have that risk appetite we were talking about earlier, if you can stay the course when the market is experiencing lots of volatility, 
Also, too, I just mentioned, you know, target date funds have low expense ratios. Well, it turns out that those total market funds are the cheapest funds around. They're even cheaper than those target date funds. So, like Vanguard's VU or VTSAX are worthwhile options. VTSAX. Yeah, you like your... You <laughs> That's know. how people say it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just so, fun to say, VTSAX. I'm just not cool, man. So. <laughs> and then, like, Fidelity's, I don't know if I'm saying this one, Matt, tell me, FZ Rocks. I think they intentionally chose an acronym that was also fun to say because like they're, they're literally going, you know, toe-to-toe with VTSAX. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be so cool. They're like, okay, how else can we top sacks? They're like, oh, I guess that's not that hard, actually. <laughs> Instead, we could just say rocks. Because <laughs> sacks makes you think Kenny G, and you know, depending on like where you live, roses and, and romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either cool or not, depending on you know the age bracket you're in, I guess. But yeah, oh, something else too. I mean, if you do want to go with like a target date fund, I think even choosing a retirement date that's maybe five or ten years beyond when you actually are looking to retire. Uh, that's a, a way to kind of get the benefits of that automatic rebalancing while also skewing slightly towards having something that's a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, true. But we'll put links to some of these funds that we're talking about in the show notes, including some of our favorite target date funds too. But it's important if you're kind of beginning your investing journey, I think that considering one of the total stock market funds as a place to put most or all of your investment dollars is well worth you considering. That's right. And so, you know, this also kind of brings up another popular question that we get, which is, you know, folks don't know much about diversification. They kind of just assume that they need to pick a few different funds to invest in. One fund, not enough. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, isn't having all my money in in one fund sort of like putting all my eggs in in one basket, you know, back in 1700s Holland? (laughs) (laughs) And, And that is a good question. But, you know, one fund isn't necessarily diversified enough. But it can be if you choose the right one. And so, yeah, Joel, you know, you and I, we do believe that that just going with one target date fund or going with one total stock market fund can provide you with the the proper amount of diversification that you need. And there are some people that feel differently, and they would disagree that's with us. That's true, and that's okay. Um, I would be willing to talk to any of them any day. It's it's fine. Like it's and it's okay that we might differ on that. But you know, Matt and I feel like we're also in pretty good company here when when we say this, when we say that choosing just one of those funds is an okay way, is a, is a good route for people to consider. Uh, a, a lot of experts like, you know, good pal, friend of the show, Warren Buffett. That's right. Uh, Jack, <laughs> he's been on many times. Sadly, no. Maybe one of these days. Uh, Jack Bogle, the- be amazing, actually. <laughs> that would be cool. The the founder of Vanguard, you know, he's he's with us on that. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. If you disagree with us, you're disagreeing with Jack Bogle. Yeah. And Warren Buffett and J.L. Collins, who actually has been on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and those guys uh, stress investing exactly along the lines that we're describing. And in fact, Matt, Warren Buffett has been quoted actually in 2014. He said that once he dies, he wants 90% of his money in a low-cost S&P 500 index fund. He said preferably Vanguard's, yeah. uh, although I will say FC Rocks was not in existence at that time, but yeah. I think he would say either is great. He'd be down uh, with that. Yeah, but the other 10% he said to put in short-term government bonds. And I guess, Matt, I, I think if, if it's diversified enough for those fellas, it's diversified enough for what we're trying to achieve and what our listeners should be trying to achieve. They don't necessarily need to go beyond those bounds um, in order to have a diversified portfolio and feel comfortable about it. Yeah, that's right. And and that quote was specifically applying to the money that would be left for his wife. Because, you know, he's like, if I die, no one no one's here to manage money. It's like, it doesn't really need to be managed. Just right. make sure it is in, you know, the, the S&P 500 fund. Make sure it's invested well. Uh, and she's going to be totally fine. She'll be well taken She'll care of. She'll be set. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, of course, too, you know, the reason that these index funds are enough diversification, uh, like in and of themselves, is because each fund is made up of, of hundreds or even thousands of individual stocks. If you're invested in an S&P 500 fund, you've got around 500 different stocks in that one index fund. That's why it's called the S&P 500. Uh, if you own a total stock market fund like VT Sachs, then you own around 3,500 different stocks. <laughs> so, like going back to the uh, eggs in a basket analogy, like forget having all your eggs in one basket. How about like a few thousand baskets? Yeah, that because that, nice. that's essentially what's going on here. They're gonna be tiny eggs, but still. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're robin eggs. Uh, and so in this way, it's, it's obviously that's not possible in real life, right? Because you can't take 10 eggs and diversify them over you know 3,500 different baskets. But with investing, you can. And that's one of the amazing things about index funds. It's, it's why we're huge fans of them. And we're kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves as to how it is that we invest. Oh. But you know, not surprisingly, we're big fans of index funds for All sure. Right. Well, let's get there. Let's talk about how we invest. And you know, Matt, we're going to get into Bitcoin, actually, because you've made <laughs> a recent play there. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, too. But um, yeah, how we invest our money. We'll get to some specifics. And we'll reveal that stuff right now after this break. You 
You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash money. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back from the break. Now we're actually going to reveal how we invest our money. And Matt, you uh, recently made a play into Bitcoin, so I want to talk about that. But as part of a small diversification strategy, uh, it's important to note that we are okay with people taking a couple of moonshot chances. Like that's like the sure. hip term these days, right? Like yeah. Diamond hands, baby. Right. But uh, <laughs> it's important for us and, and we think for, for you guys to keep those shots to 5% or less of your overall portfolio. I think you can think of it as 
like a pressure relief valve. You were talking about crockpots earlier on your Instant Pot, <laughs> right? Like you gotta put that thing out so you can like actually. Oh, crockpots way different than Instant Pots for sure. <laughs> similar, <laughs> similar. Crockpot doesn't have the release valve, but oh, the Instant Pot does. Yeah, Instant Pots are way more efficient. That's true. Like we actually don't even have an inst- uh, a crockpot in our house, <laughs> but Kate, however, loves the Instant Pot. We use it all the stinking time. The Instant Pots are great. L- literally used it yesterday to make some grits. If you've never used grits with a nonstick insert on the Instant Pot. You can knock out grits in like five minutes, man. It's so good. <laughs> Our northern listeners are like, what are grits? Hmm. I mean, it's milled corn, uh, but don't get it confused with cream of wheat because yeah. it's, it's very different. It's yeah. a very southern thing, too. Yeah. So, all right, But yeah, th- th- this small percentage of your portfolio that you're uh, able to take some extra risk with really acts as this pressure relief valve so that you don't get too much FOMO when you are reading those headlines. Having a, a small bit of play money can really help you stay the course for the long term in the more boring index funds that we're fans of with the vast majority of your portfolio. Just having that small amount to mess with can help your brain continue to do the boring thing with the vast majority. Yeah, it keeps you from uh, exploding your investments, uh, <laughs> right. exploding your portfolio. But yeah, that's that's exactly what I did with Bitcoin earlier this year. I feel it's a technology that continues to, to kind of show a lot of promise, and so I jumped in. Actually, I didn't like jump in <laughs> per se. It's more like kind of dipping a toe in the waters of uh, of cryptocurrency. But you know, like I've got very little interest in the latest like hot stocks of the day. You know, the different meme stocks like we're talking about, like GameStop or AMC. But I have felt uh, a sense of FOMO for not owning any any crypto. And so, just like we've always said on the show, you know, if you want to have you know five percent of your portfolio and do some more speculative purchases, go for it. And so, uh, in our case, you know, I placed a very small percentage of my overall portfolio. It's a- actually less than five percent. So you. Only on 15 it, bitcoins is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, I I put less than five percent. You know, way fewer. Dude, I, I think I like I, it's like point like zero like one percent. Seriously, it's like point. Yeah, it's like point zero one five or, yeah. or I don't even know. It's it's such a small percentage of actual bitcoin. Uh, that I own, but it's a dollar amount though that wouldn't crush me if it were to tank, you know. And like even if it completely evaporates and go to zero, sure, it, like it would totally suck. But I'm going to be okay with that. And so, you know, just like with my retirement accounts, I'm in it for the long haul. But even still, you know, that being said, at the time of recording this, it is up 16%. And so that's, it's nice. It's nice to kind of feel like you're kind of jumping in on that a little bit. Like in that same way, I felt good once Tesla joined the S&P 500, because that was one of those things where I'm just like, dang it, I feel like I'm kind of missing out a little bit. I don't do single stock investing, but then they kind of got inducted into the S&P 500. Now you own a little bit. And I was very, yeah, I was happy. I was like, sweet. I think like 2% of the S&P 500 is made up of Tesla, which made me very happy. I'm like, perfect. That's, that's exactly maybe what I would have done anyway. Anyway, like a very small percentage outside of actual index funds in a single stock like that. Uh, and so that checked the box for me. There you go. And, and so that's like how you're doing some play money with Bitcoin. Yeah. But you don't really Again, have a very small amount. anything else that you've done play money with. Like no. Bitcoin's like the first thing, right? Yeah. And, and like I personally have not really felt the need to pursue any sort of pressure relief valve strategy yet. Um, although I, I could see myself doing a bit of that potentially in the future. But for the time being, all of our family's retirement assets are in 401ks and Roth IRAs. And they're with Vanguard and Fidelity except for my wife has this uh, small 401k with a previous employer, but fortunately the the costs are super low there, so we've kept that where it is. Uh, But inside of those accounts, we are almost exclusively invested in VT Sachs and FZ Rocks, which are the two funds that we mentioned earlier. I do have a, a small amount of our retirement assets in a small cap fund with Vanguard 2. The great thing is that with our portfolio set up this way, we barely have to think about it. Uh, we, we keep on investing month after month, automatically buying more shares of each of these funds. But that's actually my favorite part of this strategy is that really none of your mental bandwidth has to go to thinking about it. It just kind of like right. is set on autopilot. Also, too, uh, we, we hold a fair amount of cash on hand. And you know I think that's actually part of my diversification strategy is to have more cash than even six months of an emergency fund. And that's not actually so we can take advantage of market dips. I know some people like to play that game. I don't play that game either. I just dollar cost average every single month. I put money in the market every single month like clockwork. But it is so that I can cobble together the down payment on a property, uh, on a rental property, if the right one comes along. That's kind of why I like to keep extra cash in, in the bank account because you never know when a sweet local real estate deal is going to pop up and, and I'm going to want to pounce. That's right. Yeah, folks have heard us talk about real estate investing over the years. Uh, and obviously, you know, like that's outside of the scope of what we're talking about today, but it is important to mention uh, owning a few properties locally where we live is it's a helpful diversification strategy overall. Plus it's something that that you and I, you know, we really enjoy and, and it does provide a nice monthly cash flow as well. Uh, and so that was how Joel invests his money. Now we're going to get to my big reveal. Uh, you know, outside of the the very small amount of money I have in Bitcoin, 
I have 100% of my retirement invested in one single fund, which is VOO. V-O-O. Uh, that's actually the one that Warren Buffett told you know whoever to to put money in to for his wife like after he were to pass so that's vanguard's s p 500 etf uh, so it's super diversified it has an expense ratio of like 0.03 percent and again that's 0.03 percent is not three percent it's 0.03 percent so it's virtually free <laughs> and i'm planning to uh continue that for a, a long long time uh maybe even into retirement again because we have rental properties uh because we do have some cash flow uh it has an ability to offset expenses for us which means that in the future we're going to be hopefully drawing less on some of those funds that we have invested in the market yeah and again so much of that has to do with like your your desire to even hold 100 percent stocks into retirement like for most people that's not a good idea but if you live frugally and you have a paid off mortgage and you have real estate that's producing a monthly income and you desire to leave an inheritance to your kids, I mean, that, that can be uh, a reason why somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s might want to continue to have massive amounts of stock exposure, whereas you know most people in, in that phase of life really shouldn't. You know, That's right. Yeah. I remember J.L. Collins saying specifically, like what he called that was something along the lines of investing for future generations. Yeah. And literally, it's just like, well, why would you ever <laughs> downgrade your investments from something like the total stock market index funds or the S&P 500 funds that are out there? Because don't you always want it just to continue to grow at the clip that it currently is? And the idea is that you don't necessarily need that money. You don't need the bulk of that, at least, uh, in order to survive. You're going to leave the vast majority of that money, you know, invested in the market. And granted, this is kind of like a far off, you know, like an overall plan. That's not where we are right now, but it's definitely something that we're kind of looking forward to. And it feels like it's a strategy that resonates with us now. Yeah. So okay, now we've revealed how we invest our money. Uh, I don't think there was anything massively uh, of massive interest there. Like we're not going to see any headlines tomorrow about how Matt invests his money. Uh, but it's just it's just not going to it's not headline making like, oh, sort of news. Matt owns one one hundredth of a bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those things that isn't exciting. It's not sexy. Uh, it's not fascinating, right? It's not this peek under the hood of something that, is, like a of a vintage car that's in mint condition. Like it's it's really just this. It's basic 1996 Honda Accord style investing. But I hope that helps at least that people know this is exactly how we uh, invest our money in in the same way that we recommend other people do it. And it comes from a place of having thought about it for a long period of time too. Yeah. Not not just from kind of like pushing the easy button for the sake <laughs> of not having to do any thinking or any research. Truly, it's the best way for our families to invest. In. And it's really just the easiest and cheapest way to diversify you know, your, your retirement funds. That's right. And diversification, right? It's, it's, it's a really important part of investing well. Um, investing narrowly might work in the short term, you know, but it'll likely have uh, maybe more negative consequences over the long run, or it'll at least take more work, right? If you want to invest in a more sort of niche sector, that's how you like to say it. You like to say niche. <laughs> uh, but, or, or even go in on, on single stocks, it's going to take a lot of research. It's going to take a lot of time. A lot of us don't have that kind of time. A lot of mental bandwidth. Yeah, just for, that. when it comes to investing. Uh, and if you're not putting in that time, let's well, even that's kind of like worse news because that means you're just jumping on the bandwagon, right? Like <laughs> you're, you're just guessing. you're following everybody else, and that's speculative investing. Uh, and so, you, if that's what you're doing, you need to be prepared to to be able to lose all of that money because who knows where that actual stock uh, or that quote unquote investment will end up. And you know, diversification can look different too, depending on your age and your risk profile, your risk tolerance. But if you want to hit the easy button when it comes to diversification, just put all your money in a target date retirement fund uh, and then just keep putting your money there for years to come. It's the perfect way to to not even have to think about your asset allocation pretty much ever. Everything's on autopilot. It, it rebalances. And then you can spend your additional time, your additional mental bandwidth on the things that you actually do care about. You know, like, like I guess I don't I don't want people to feel bad if they feel like that. Well, that's all I want to do. I just want to do the target date re retirement fund. Well, that's great. However, if you're more interested in it, well, then you can kind of like move on to the, you know, like the more slightly more advanced ways of thinking about, you know, investing specifically in your retirement. Uh, however, if you don't care about doing that, a target date fund is great. Yeah, I think sometimes simple gets a bad rap, right? People are like, "That's that's just simple," uh, which yeah. which they think equates to stupid, right. and that's just not the case. Uh, simple is often the best move in a lot of areas of life. Uh, more simplicity, and I think when it comes to investing, simplicity is 
vastly underrated. Oh yeah. And the the simpler that we make it, the more likely we're going to stick to it. The more likely we're actually going to build wealth over the years, as opposed to trying to toy with things and find this nirvana sort of uh, investing strategy, which in, in all likelihood is going to lose you more money than it's going to make you. So go basic, go simple, um, and get going is what we would say. Nice. All I right. like it. Well, let's get back to the beer we had on the show, Matt. This one is called Haptic. It's from Halfway Crooks, one of our favorite uh, breweries right up the street. What, what were your thoughts on this IPA, dude? Yeah, it's called Haptic, like a uh, haptic touch on your iPhone. Do you have that on your uh, on your Pixel? 4 I do. Or yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, like even on could, Androids, they have that. Matt. Even on the Droid phone, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it vibrates when I touch it. <laughs> uh, no, this is a fantastic beer, man. Halfway Crooks. If you ever have a chance to swing by there, uh, anytime you're coming through Atlanta, look them up. I feel like they are quickly becoming one of our favorite in-town breweries here in Atlanta. They make such amazing stuff, and also too, just their like their labels, the way they design things, their style, their overall brand basically is just so on point. Like you're literally wearing a Halfway Crooks T-shirt right now. <laughs> like you're such a huge fan. I'm a nerd of, uh, of 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 how they do things, but it's very much a like eight-bit old-school, you know, MS DOS <laughs> kind of branding, which sounds super nerdy, but they do it in such a classy way. Uh, they definitely are like the best. They've got the best merch in Atlanta by far. Would yeah. you agree? I feel like they're like a brewery and a fashion line almost. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I think of them. It's not just beer. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love going there. I love yeah. having beers there. And then I love you know just drinking their beers at home too. Like really, they, they specialize in like pilsners and lagers. Uh, this one is an IPA. It was delicious because like everything yeah, they ramped up making, the IPAs. Yeah. That's the thing. And they're really freaking good. They're really good. They're really good. So yeah, the, the actually the, the head brewer there is from Belgium. And so yeah, his take on Belgian beers is incredible like yeah. they're, what's up. they're really good <laughs> so uh, if you're into belgian beers come check it out if you like ipas they're doing a good job there too so yeah definitely one of our favorite spots and i'm glad we got to share this beer today on the show buddy yeah and that being said this isn't uh, a, a pilsner or you know one of those more euro style beers this is an american ipa and it is so stinking good. I mean, it's it's super hop forward, and, and and it's hop forward in the sense that it's like dry hopped, right? And so it's kind of got like that tingly freshness going on, and it's so well balanced. It's, it's not overly sweet. Uh, it almost has a, a dryness going on. It's like this combination of the dryness plus the awesome flavors from these hops makes this one of my gosh, like one of the favorite beers I've had in a long time so far this year, dude. This is yeah, a really delicious beer. We're huge fans of Halfway Crooks, and uh, yeah, we want more folks to to check them out. Yeah, it's not going over the top in the juicy direction it's really exactly. just like staying true to the hops i think that they that went into this beer yeah but they shine through in a big way and so yeah i, I dug this one too all right but that's going to be it for this episode for folks that want the show notes for this episode including links to some of the funds that we mentioned uh you can find those up on our website at howtomoney.com that's right and if you have been listening to the show and want to help us out help to get the word out to others who have not yet found the show leave us a review over at apple podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts uh, and thanks in advance so joel that's going to be it for this episode buddy until next time best friends out best friends out welcome to how to money i'm matt and i'm joel (laughs) (laughs) that's not how we do it let's let's do it right from bbc radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 